Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's the Nightcap on 1140 The Bet. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Here's your host, Lindsey Brown. All right, a little bit seat of the pants episode of the Nightcap. It is a wild card weekend, a super wild card weekend. I don't even know if we're allowed to say that technically, but regardless, we're recording the Nightcap. It is the 16th of January, around 445 Pacific time. My name is Lindsay Brown, the host always and forever of said program. And joining me in his new capacity here on the nightcap is Dominic Lavaud. Dominic, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. You know, just came off of a weekend of UNLV hockey. Uh, They extended their win streak to 14 now. Yeah. And I'm feeling good about it. It's awesome. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear that their continued success is is being found because it's especially important from that community base to have that uh, participation and that interest because it's more than professional sports here in Las Vegas, although we do tend to stick to that topic-wise here for the nightcap. And it's been a little bit of a weird week when it comes to the Golden Knights because they've had some time off due to a lot of those rescheduling things due to COVID because they were supposed to be up in Canada this weekend actually facing off against, uh, was it Montreal and like Ottawa on a back-to-back or something? I'm looking at a schedule that has since been updated because we have had those postponements. And so they've had six days off. They're going to be playing the Pittsburgh Penguins here at T-Mobile Arena tomorrow night, a.k.a. Monday, Martin Luther King Day. Uh, that will be at 7 p.m. And the Pittsburgh Penguins aren't exactly burning anybody down to the ground these days in terms of of getting their their big-time records. They're, they're fourth in the NHL overall. But the thing is, is that they've gotten some really, really great goaltending from Tristan Jari this year and I'm glad to see it honestly because he's gotten a little bit of a rough go these last couple seasons and granted he earned it he hasn't been his sharpest but uh the Penguins are just in that first wild card position with 49 points they're 22 10 and 5 and as we know they haven't had everyone at their disposal all year Dominic uh, we know that Evgeny Malkin just rejoined them that Crosby has only been back for about what month month and a half yeah. or so uh, you're, you're a Bruins fan. Uh, I'm sorry about your sickness, but like you're obviously a lot more familiar with Pittsburgh probably than I was growing up in Minnesota and stuff. But uh, what's your take on the current state of the Penguins and how big of a threat do you think that they are? Because I, I think that they intend to be a threat, but sometimes we don't always match the colors on the outside. Um, I was just thinking about this while you were talking about them. And I feel like the Penguins now are maybe the modern day iteration of the old Red Wings when they had that super long playoff streak going on. Mm. I mean, despite the whole core not really being there, like the main people are still there. You still have Gino, you still have Sidney Crosby, you still have Latang, yep, yep. You still have all those main guys from those early cup winning days. And like, you know, obviously the goaltenders aren't there. Flurry left, Matt Murray left. Um, so well, they, they wanted Matt Murray to leave. They, yeah. they sent him away. And it, it's not really like the same in the crease, but 
it definitely kind of gives me that energy that the Red Wings had before they kind of blew everything up uh, in the last decade and kind of started rebuilding. That's so, true, where they have some bloated contracts, so yeah. they've made a couple of trades that they thought would make a, a big-time payoffs, like the the Jason Zucker trade, mm-hmm. for instance. I mean, he's been out for a lot of this season with a lower body injury, but he doesn't make like $6 million per se, but he makes a pretty sizable chunk of money, yeah. and it's just when you have the depth problems that Pittsburgh has had to deal with at certain points of the season because they've had – uh, Jake Gensel missed long stretches in addition to Crosby, mm-hmm. in addition to Malkin. I mean, thank God they have Jeff Carter from that trade from last yeah. year. He's been a great addition for them. Uh, he's such a good skater. And I, I know when they added Kasperi Kapanen that they that they had big-time uh, expectations, too, and he slid in uh, decently. But it's tough because, like you were saying, with their defense, it's Chris Letang, and then it's just like a lot of people that you don't really want to write home about. Yeah. Like Ryan Dumoulin, he's fine. Marcus Patterson, he's fine. John Marino, I guess. Like, I wish yeah. I could say I could pick these guys out of a lineup, but I couldn't. And that's part of hockey's problem. Um, and part of Pittsburgh's problem because they they had a GM switch last year for yeah. a reason. I mean, uh, the the older GM abruptly left, and then they brought in – or was it Ru- – they had Rutherford, and he left, and now they have uh, – Oh, maybe it was the new president of hockey. Oh, yeah. Berkey was the president of hockey ops, and he brought in Hextall. And Hextall had previously, uh, obviously, been the GM of the Philadelphia Flyers, and that's a whole different project. So Pennsylvania is just in shambles in mm-hmm. terms of the state of uh, of hockey. But there's certainly a team that might be uh, looking to make some potentially desperate moves because there's only so many years that you have left at Crosby's yeah. peak, at, at Malkin's, considering how much – injury history history he's had as of late and so they might make some moves uh in order to help fortify their blue line and other depth scoring uh but it might not be enough because it's a very contentious uh division that they play mm-hmm. in and just very contentious eastern conference in general and we only get to get to look at them twice uh as as members of the western conference in the pacific division as i look at the pacific division the gold knights are at the top of it with that 48 point total 23-14-2 and two, uh, overtime winning streak of one. The Kings are in second place. They've won four in a row. They're starting to get a little something going again. And uh, Jonathan Quick and just net mining in general. Cal Peterson's been more of the anchor there in terms mm-hmm. of like not so great goaltending. But it seems like their scoring starting to turn around a little bit. And as we mentioned earlier in the show, or at least in the Playmakers when you were guesting on it on Friday, that there's a lot of surprise that Adrian Kempe was picked as the representative yep. for that Los Angeles Kings. He echoed that sentiment himself. He said, I, I, <laughs> I was surprised to be picked. Like, so I, we appreciate your honesty, but the Kings and the, and the Ducks are both tied at 48-5 points, just as we all, you know, had uh, expected it before the season started. Totally. San Jose Sharks at fourth place, 42 points. The Flames that are uh, on a little bit of a losing streak themselves have lost four in a row, 40 points. Edmonton Oilers lost three in a row, 38 points. And the Canucks and the crack, and that can't stop a beach ball at the current point in time, which is unfortunate because they went out and spent big time money to go get Philip Grubauer. And while it probably will work out in the long run, first season, not so much, but that's okay because the unrealistic expectations created by us being the Golden Knights yeah. uh, doesn't always translate to the next step, the next level. But we were talking about on Friday about some movers and shakers in the trade deadline, at least some linchpins. We talked about the Oilers. We talked about the Bruins. We even talked a little, a little bit about Colorado potentially fortifying their goalie group still because they just can't get that much consistency injury-wise or play-wise. It's kind of two uh, two separate issues right there. But what about the Philadelphia Flyers? Because that's a team that's about as disappointing as anybody has been. 
And they have a lot of talent up and down their roster. Mm-hmm. Like you said it the other day, on paper, they don't look that bad. Yeah. And, you know, like, it's just kind of disappointing to watch them play because uh, we mentioned on the Playmakers on Friday before the show started, mm-hmm. we watched film from uh, their most recent game against Boston where they lost to Garask, and it just looks lazy. And yeah. Just super lethargic. Like, no one... Overskating really everything. Like, there was no attention to details when it yeah. came to, like, the edges. They were kind of... They were, what I would say, doing it for the gram. They were sending their bodies into the right areas, but mm-hmm. they weren't actually executing to the level where you would block the shot in addition to putting yeah. yourself in good position to make a play on the shot you mm-hmm. just blocked, right? You're only doing it halfway there, living on a prayer. Yeah, and just playing, I guess, excuse my language, like, half-assed doesn't win you anything. Wow, wow, that's some very (laughs) choice language to bring here on the Playmakers there. What an absolute shit show. It's it's showing in the results. So uh, there needs to be culture shakeup, maybe some... Well, they just fired Elaine Vigneault, though. And so, like, Mike Yo doesn't really inspire me, but I have a little bit more of an understanding of what Mike Yo brings to a bench as he started his head coaching career with the Minnesota Wild and then spent uh, a good time with the St. Louis Blues. I mean, he was the guy that was let go for Craig Berube, and that was mm-hmm. the team that went and won the Stanley Cup final in 2019. Um, but there, uh, Chuck Fletcher's the GM there also, obviously, with a lot of Minnesota connections, and he's been there for three or four years. And you got to start worrying, too, about Carter Hart and making sure he's not getting put in a developmental pickle, yeah. for lack of a better metaphor. Um, because when you're just not playing great hockey in front of them and defensively, like it's very easy for goaltenders confidence to get completely doused and Mm -hmm. he's young and we know about the history of goaltenders in Philadelphia. There's not a great history there. There's a lot of big time failed contracts, a lot of big time, uh, names to live up to that have been far, far, far in the past. And so I I wonder if they're going to be looking to make some moves, especially when you're looking at, you know, the Keith Yandels, who's a great locker room guy, Mm -hmm. who a lot of people love as a leader, who still has some great hockey in him. I mean, he's not going to play 20 minutes a night for you, but in the playoffs, he might be an invaluable piece. Or even like a James Van Riemsdyk or a Cam Atkinson. I mean, they brought Cam in in this past offseason, but I don't know if it's as good of a fit as they had originally had hoped. Uh, But there's just so much to to want still from that roster, and maybe it's just not their year and a lot of the disruption with COVID over the last couple of seasons. Maybe they're just one of those teams that hasn't handled it super well, totally within the realm of possibility. But at some point, you have to start making forward progress, and it seems like they've been intending to take that step for like the better part of two or three seasons. Yeah, and just it, it's just kind of disappointing. I'd like to see them – try and make a move at the very least like maybe a big time acquisition like a keith yandel could kind of inject life into that locker room well he's already there though like that's that's the bit it's like do you want to spark that lineup is this the lineup you want to add to is it is it truly just on the step where you want to bring in pieces or do you want to sell some off for assets that's where i'm at with them because it's just they literally, I think, are the worst performing team out of whatever the quote-unquote holiday break was. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they've won the game any games since last I checked, and I'm just trying to check right now uh, on, on hockey reference, which is pretty much where I get all of my nuts and bolts when it comes to anything that's going on in the NHL. Um, but, you know, these teams have to start thinking about this. Yeah, you have one, two, three, four, seven straight losses. And you just lost. All, you have three games in a row where you've lost one goal contest. Like how demoralizing! Mm-hmm. Seriously, I mean you're right there, 
And you can say that about a lot of their losses, but there's also like this losing streak where they went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They lost 10 in a row throughout November. And you have a couple of those scores that are like seven to one and seven to five and five to two. Like you just can't be giving up goals in those bunches and losing to teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins more recently, like on the 6th of January, six to two, like, uh, even the teams on the bubble, you're getting your ass kicked by. Like yeah. that usually is an indicator that you're not a good hockey team. And so usually if you're not a good hockey team, you try to reclaim some of your assets, uh, but it just might not be in the cards for them ba- depending on how uh, their salary cap is. And I'm trying to look up right now too, as we're kind of doing this on the fly. It's not even the right keyboard. Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Not Dominic. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, we've had te- technical struggles at UNLV too. It's not. Oh, a this knock, isn't technical struggles. This is just struggles. straight up going on the fly. This is how we roll. It's how we roll. Okay, so I'm looking at their cap situation right now. Closure. So this is his last year of his deal. So and he's 34. So he's playing. This is a contract year for him. That's not looking good for him. Kevin mm-hmm. Hayes at another 7.1 million. Another five seasons, seven million for JVR for two more. Cam Atkinson at five eight seven five, yeah, that's a bloated contract. Travis Konechny at five and a half. Jeez, this doesn't look like a very malleable roster to me, no. Dominic. This Might does not. You even have Sean Couturier on the IR at four four point three million dollars. I forgot about that. You, that's a big time problem up and down this lineup. What a disaster and a half. Might be a selling year then. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And then you, even if it's not like a directly piece for piece, like you got to think a lot of these teams are going to be third team involved in trades and stuff mm-hmm. like that, just because there's not a lot of teams working with a ton of salary cap space. And so they have to have dumping areas. I mean, that's how most of the Golden Knights deals have had to get done over the last year, year since I've been here. I mean, even the Robin Leonard deal, they had Toronto eat some of the cap space. Yeah. They've been in cap trouble for way oh my too God. long. It's been and then so Montreal has the least amount of cap space out of anybody, and they might be the worst team in the NHL. And that's saying something. My God. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. And the big problem is, too, is that they have both Jake Allen and Carey Price. Is Carey Price playing? Is he back? I don't think he is. Doesn't no. look like he is. So Jake Allen's not there. Carey Price ain't back yet. Tyler Toffoli ain't back yet. Brennan Gallagher is out. Josh Anderson's out. Shea Weber's out. No wonder. My God, it was a true kitchen throw everything but the kitchen <laughs> sink in the Stanley Cup final last year. And it's basically that. Like, oh, and you have Suzuki's contract just about to kick into. He's making 863K. And the next year it starts with a $7.875 million. But he's worth it. Like yeah, he's, he's who you invest in. Um, but Christian Dvorak up there at four, four point four five. Like, I don't think he's worked out nearly as well, but I mean, have you heard anything about Cole Caulfield and how he's fared since they sent him down to the AHL for a little bit? Not too much. That's no. usually not a good thing. Cause when he's up there, you, we've heard, we know that he's up there all the time, yeah. but it, the NHL, you can't just like walk into it. And then even if you do have success early, it's not like it just stays at that level. And so I'm sure he's getting a little bit of a sophomoric rookie slump in a way. It's not like the Canadians are good anyways. They're awful this year. But how could they be good without the, the amount of money out right now? That's a so, Those are so many names. Like, oh, Jeff Petrie's only going to go so far. Yeah. And, and Mike Hoffman. Like, yeah, Mike Hoffman. He's, like, been a solid guy. But those aren't guys that are going to, like, carry your scoring or carry your no, lineup at all. No, no. 
Matt Hoffman was having trouble scoring out with the Blues last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're seeing some some lulls from teams that at least I had anticipated strong seasons from. I mean, I don't think the Winnipeg Jets have totally taken off yet, and I still think they have a good chance. But I, the Central's a lot more competitive than I anticipated, mostly because Nashville is right there competing. I didn't think they yeah. were going to be up there. Um, Dallas is also kind of treading water. I didn't expect Minnesota to be as good as they are. Um, I still think Colorado, I'm still, I'm surprised that they're in the spot that they are considering how many injuries and COVID problems they've had. Um, obviously we talked on Friday about the Islanders and just how, how big of a fall they've had. Uh, but when you're playing a style that fosters a lot of two to one games, and sometimes just based off of the algorithm, you'll start spitting out a few more losses than wins and a season can get a little bit away from you. Uh, but Ottawa, I expect them to be bad. Buffalo, yeah. I expect them to be bad. Detroit, I expect them to be right around the middle. It's mostly the Western Conference that's a little bit more discombobulated than than we had anticipated, especially the Pacific Division with the Kings. Mm-hmm. I mean, I anticipated the Kings to be to be in the mix, but not second place. But they weren't there two weeks ago, and they might not be two weeks from now. But yeah. the the resurgence of the Ducks is for sure a thing, the the San Jose Sharks, and then we'll see if Edmonton and Calgary are able to kind of stop the bleeding here because they both might make pretty drastic moves if they're not able to get things going, especially being members of Canada. Mm-hmm. All of those games are going to have to be rescheduled if they're not just thinking about, well, hey, we might have to allocate minutes, let alone we might have to make up some big-time win numbers because yeah. we're behind. Yes. And so there, I think – that is something to keep a very, very close eye on how Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver deal it, or just like specifically Canadian teams because they're at a disadvantage schedule-wise. Yeah, and just my question is, I'll pose a question to you, I guess, kind of like bounce it off. What do you think Calgary can do? I mean, I think they've made a lot of their big moves already. I, I think that we saw a lot of early success from them this season, and with last year with Sutter down the stretch, they were able to get a little bit of something going, but they signed Yaka Markstrom for a reason. Their goalie's been playing incredibly well. They've been getting depth story from like the Magnia Pani character. Johnny Gaudreau has been on a, on a pretty good tear lately too. And so I'd have to do a little bit of a deeper dive of their numbers and like where their scoring is, how, what they're giving up, just like giving, giving a little bit of a quick look. It seems like as of lately, at least since the new year, they're giving up goals in bunches, two games in which they've given up six goals, the other two where they've given up four. And those are just goal totals if against where you're not going to win a lot of hockey games. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are Edmonton Oiler-esque type <laughs> of goals against numbers. If and, and that's why they need their power play to click at such the level that they do, because if it doesn't, you find they find themselves in the streaks uh, like we're talking about with, with Calgary, where all of a sudden there's this giant lull and you can start questioning your core part of your identity it just those streaks are building up just ask the Golden Knights mm-hmm. about their awful power play streak to start out the season and if that hung over their heads at all oh my that was horrible to watch yeah at the start of the year like it bled from the I believe it was a Montreal series over to the regular season this year and it was just yeah horrible to watch and it's it has its moments of coming back but yeah their penalty kill is way better at producing offense than their power play is. Like, it's unreal. And as I look at the Flames' recent games, as I was saying, those big-time goals scoring uh, against totals did come against the likes of the Florida Panthers, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Carolina Hurricanes. Those teams are slightly good at the hockey, and so you also mm-hmm. have to look at, like, who they're losing to and how. You know, if they're get, win against a 3-2 to win on December 2nd against the Kings. All right, that makes sense. 4-3 to three win against the Anaheim Ducks. Good stuff. 2-3 to three loss to the Golden Knights. That sucks. 
and you lose to the Sharks 5-3. to three. That's probably one you need to have. You play the Carolina Hurricanes twice. You lose one 2-1 to one at home in overtime, and then you go to their place, you know, three or four weeks later, and you give up six, but you score three. It's like, can you, can you find somewhere in the middle there? Can you find a way to beat the Boston Bruins at home after you drop that first two to one game to the Carolina Hurricanes after a day of rest. Like, but it's just so hard because like I said, they're dealing with the different circumstances entirely with COVID, with scheduled pauses, with rosters being Mm -hmm. changed 20 minutes before, you know, the games even start. We don't know who's going to play, but we do know that the Cowboys are no longer in the playoffs. That we can say is a correct play. Look at the Lord Jimmy Garoppolo in all of his glory, the beaming light from his cheekbones, (laughs) just freeing of all of your misfortune and bad decisions just by the winning smile. What a time to be alive. So happy. How about them Cowboys? (laughs) Hey, the Vikings didn't even make the playoffs and your Patriots got the shit kicked out of them last night, which was incredibly enjoyable. I must say it was nice. Most of America would have to agree with me. Most of America would have to agree. (laughs) It's, it's honestly the truth, but that seems like a pretty good nugget for uh, the nightcap for tonight. We got through what's at least on the docket next for your golden Knights, which is really just a home game against the Pittsburgh Penguins again, tomorrow night, Tuesday, uh, January 17th. I'm like, what month is this? I'm mean, where are we? Time is a social construct still people to this day. And then after they play Pittsburgh, uh, they'll have Montreal a couple days later on the 20th, and then they have a pretty big road trips coming up. And then February, I mean, that Olympic break is still technically wide open. How mm-hmm. the league will handle the scheduling going forward, we will have to keep you abreast to on this particular program, the Nightcap, and on the Playmakers. Uh, we like to populate the feed with a little bit of a mix from both, but we appreciate any time you spend listening to us. We appreciate you sharing because uh, teamwork truly does make the dream work. Dominic, where do we find all of your great things other than the words you speak here? Um, you can find it on my media page. I'll just plug that now because that's where I post everything. So right on. media page is on Instagram. It's Dominic Lavoie Media. Um, it's D-O-M-I-N-I-C-L-A-V, like Vegas, O-I-E. Nice. And then media. That's awesome. If you don't follow me on my stuff yet, first of all, big mistake on your part. Uh, Twitter, it's at Lindsey Brown 35, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. Brown like the color and the numerical value of 35. And then I also do the uh, Instagram lives like during the playmakers during the week. So that's at L-I-N-D-Z Brown 35. Went with the extra branding heavy username on Instagram, share with your friends, share with your family, share with the neighbor you don't want to talk to, except for in this exact instance, because again, sharing is caring. We appreciate you. The nightcap, 1140, the bet. Bye.
Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 